0: Basically, I should have brought more bass last week. Is what you're saying?
1: Because you're all about that bass. Uh, no, no. That
0: bass. That bass. Guys, i I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and thus was born the Jason Anderson Soccer
2: Podcast, <laughs> where, where I talk alone and ask myself the yes. question, and then in a different voice, though I would call it with a different accent to do the question higher or lower. Or, I don't know. It'd probably, be, it'd probably change every single week. Depend let on me, that, let no me hear it. Or me, French French ask French yourself French. a question right now. Right now? Yes. <laughs> Why don't you have a question ready to ask, Jason? Are you going to answer it? No, that's for my podcast, not for yours. Hey, hey,
0: welcome in. This is Filibuster, <laughs> the Black and Red United podcast. I am Adam Taylor. Joined as always by Jason Anderson and his strangely voiced alter ego and Ben Bromley. We're all all from blackandredunited.com where we write about DC United, the US national teams, the Washington Spirit, the Richmond Kickers, and whatever else happens to catch our wondering eye on a given day and our eyes are wondering because dc united is not giving us a lot of nice things to look at we're going to talk about their three nothing loss at home to fc dallas over the weekend we're going to talk about the usa uh, men's national teams similarly cringe inducing loss in world cup qualifying at guatemala and their you know next game which will probably come either just before or just after you hear this on tuesday night And we're going to talk about DC United's upcoming trip to San Jose to face the quakes. Before we do anything, though, Ben, what are you drinking?
1: So, for the past couple of weeks, I've been trying to will spring into existence based on my drink choices. And now that spring is pretty much here, I've just continued to luxuriate in spring.
0: You jinxed it. It's going to snow on Friday now. It's all your fault.
1: Well, as long as it does that up in DC and not down here in Richmond, I don't care. Um... So I went with a Gin ricky. Nice. To celebrate spring, celebrate warm weather, celebrate luxury. What kind of gin? Uh, Just seagrams. I'm cheap. I'm a cheap date.
0: Okay. Did you put any sweetened stuff? Any syrup? Any sugar?
1: A A dash of simple syrup, yes.
0: Okay. I usually don't. I usually like mine very dry. Like your soul? Just like my soul. And my wit. To the extent that I have wit,
2: that's all made of sand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am drinking a um, rogue good rogue farms. In fact, because I'm also trying to will spring into existence, and I associate pilsners like good craft pilsners with spring, and so that's what I'm drinking. Is it a
1: hoppy pilsner?
0: It is a hoppy pilsner.
1: Screw that! If this weren't a family podcast, I would <laughs> pilsners, use much fouler language. Ben, it's not pilsners a are podcast. supposed to
0: be hoppy. They are hoppy lagers. That is what a pilsner is. No, incorrect. It's not. It's not like it. It's not like IPA hoppy or anything. It's pleasantly hoppy. It is a beer that is allowed to have hops. I've in been it. to the Czech
1: Republic and had real pilsners.
2: Then if you want to swear, you can swear. That's all I'm trying to say.
1: Fuck that noise!
0: <laughs> there you go. And Jason, who is not a fucking hipster, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I will
1: be a pilsner hipster.
2: <laughs> we we have to detail what neighborhood in Prague you went to, so we can see if there's somebody <laughs> who can beat you on that front. Anyway, um, I decided to make myself a margarita because I am out of beer, but I have lots of tequila because I'm adapting to tequila being a part of my life now. Um, so I have uh, it's like a I guess it's like a double tequila, uh, or a double um, margarita with um, Casadores Reposado, um, a whole lime, half a lemon, um, because I already had cut the lemon before, so or the other half of the lemon had gone towards something else, so I needed to use it for something, so now it's in this. Um, uh, for triple sec, I don't have a quality triple sec, I've got like the De Kuiper, um Trash mixer. Um,
1: That's totally fine. Triple sec.
2: It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. The the, the tequila is good and the fr- the fruit is fresh. So the triple sec is not really going to sabotage it. Um, and uh, I didn't put salt on it because I had kind of a salty dinner at a burger. So I figured I didn't also need a bunch of like solid salt uh, on the lip of my drink. So also I was lazy. And hashtag, salt- hashtag health conscious, Margs.
1: Hashtag margs. No, no
2: margs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the return of the margs, brought to you by Jason Anderson.
2: Don't ruin this drink. Margs are great. <laughs> so you, you are a convert now, Jason. You are a tequila and margarita convert. Well, I've been drinking margaritas for a while. It's just like, why should I only have them when I'm out somewhere that makes margaritas? Like spe- they're, they're, they're billing themselves as a place to get margaritas. Um, and also... Uh, there was a bottle of tequila. I think I've mentioned it before that was left here. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it was Blanco. It wasn't very good. And I, I was like, this can't be as good as it gets, uh, essentially. And so I began educating myself a little more. So Cazadore's Reposado is pretty good and Cazadore's nice. Blanco for Blancos is pretty good. It's not like great, <laughs> but.
0: All right. I guess we, could just keep talking about margs and, but and i think we have to and tequila but i think we have to talk about this three mistakes three goals shipped as united fell at home to fc dallas 3 to nothing uh the goals were scored by michael barrios twice and maxi Rudy, but that matters a lot less than the platter that dc united put those scoring chances on they were Really uh just D C United giving their own heads to FC Dallas on a on a silver platter. It was not great. There there were good things happening in this game, but uh goals were not one of them and preventing goals was not one of them. All in all, it has to be called a, a massive failure of a night for DC United rather than dwelling on what went wrong. If you want to talk about that a little bit, there's a video from right after the game that Jason and I made on the black and white i did facebook and and watch that video um but rather than rehashing that let's talk about what needs to change for next week ben number one on your list of things that dc united needs to change before they fly to san jose is
1: i have two thoughts I think number one, very slightly over central defense, is somebody needs to score some fracking goals. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's anybody on this roster who can do so uh, right now. I think we all agree that Luciano Acosta, uh, Acosta has to start. His brief foray onto the bench was kind of ridiculous and he proved once he came on that it was even more ridiculous um but other than that it's it it's getting absurd the lack of goal scoring prowess that's on there uh Fabiana Spindola doesn't have it right now he may get back to it later in the season but he doesn't have it right now so he should not be a guaranteed starter nobody else nobody on the attacking line should be a guaranteed starter at this point. Except maybe Patrick Niarko, but he's the only one uh, besides Acosta. And if they can make a trade or make a signing or something to, or pull people off the bench to have more uh, different attacking prowess than the people who are currently there, they need to try it because these people aren't getting it done. The is not. Rolf isn't. uh, Nagel is... Doing okay, but it's not anything that should be held up in front of other people. So Nagel's good
0: for one really good cross a game, yeah. Which at whatever position he's playing, he's good for one really good cross a game at this point. And depending on what happens, maybe something more. But you're right; nobody's a guarantee to produce anything. And my question is whether it's a goal scoring thing or a, a creativity thing. I think the the problem might actually come before the finishing, and it's getting someone out there to create goal-scoring chances, Uh, and that's where you have to put through. I mean, we're getting shots, but most of them aren't from very good spots.
1: Sure. but when they are
0: from good spots, it's Nick DeLeon skying it over the bar.
1: Sure, but if you have better goal-scorers on the field, those shots turn into better opportunities. So, I mean, there are a multitude of problems, and obviously – we would not turn down any more creative attackers at this point, but I think okay. having somebody like a Max Rudy or uh or any kind of goal scorer is a is my top priority right now.
0: Jason, what's your top?
2: Uh I'm I, I know that a lot of people are hope are probably gonna hope that I confront center backs, but I'm actually even more concerned with the mentality of the group. Um Dallas scored Their goal – DC had played very well for about 12 minutes. or not very well, but they had played pretty well. Good enough. Um, They were not – Dallas was not threatening. United was kind of knocking on the door. They were showing some energy, uh, a little bit of inventiveness off the ball. Uh, They gave away the goal and flatlined uh, and never really looked like they were ever going to come back. Like The game might as well have just ended as soon as Michael Barros – not even before he scored but it might as well have ended as soon as Taylor Kemp fell down after Kofi Opare had decided to dodge him and the ball um as soon as Barrios then received the ball uh from that situation the game should have just ended and we all should have just gone home um because it was it was really they were pretty much gutted from giving up that goal and they never got back on track um and even when you know at 3 nothing when they just were playing for pride essentially um they showed certain individuals showed some fight. Um, and I think the team kind of got sparked to life a little bit when Patrick niarco didn't get, uh, an egregious penalty call given to him. Um, looking back on, on the replay of it, it was even more obvious than it was, uh, in person. Um, fortunately, uh, the referee got another chance to award a penalty kick, uh, involving the same player, uh, from Dallas. Uh, that one got rewarded. Um, If you listen to Brian, if you listen to Brian Dunseth on this week's
0: um, instant replay, he actually was of the mind that that was a penalty in and of itself and was not a makeup call. It should have been called a penalty because Sean Franklin had his foot stomped on and it slowed him down. I thought in real time that he had been pulled back because he'd obviously slowed down. It turned out he wasn't pulled back by a hand. He was pulled back by a foot getting his foot getting stomped on essentially.
2: Um but you know that was the first the first penalty kick, no call kind of sparked the whole team to life, and then Espindola's penalty was terrible and he should uh, telegraphed never and easily take saved. Penalties. And yeah, yeah. Uh I, I feel like United has to start looking somewhere else. Um I would you know, Rolf was on the field at the time. Um
1: and, 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 uh, he's, and he's missed his he last two.
2: He has, but he does not have the record a spindle has, which is like 50% at this point, which is completely unacceptable. And, but anyway.
1: Yeah. And, if, and if a is trying to demand to take it, that's Bobby Boswell's job to tell him no.
2: Well, not necessarily. I, I think people Someone get caught up with the, the captain's armband doesn't actually mean anywhere near as much as the country of England. Uh, and unfortunately, we learn a lot from England when it comes to soccer. Um, the veterans on the field have to step up as a group there and say, like, he, like Boswell, Sarvas. The problem with the spindle is that he's pretty fiery, and once he gets in his, his mind that he's doing something, it's probably pretty difficult to get him to not without it becoming much more of an issue where you, you could be talking about teammates yelling at each other in a game. So in any case, he missed the penalty, and that, once again, United flatlined. Sarvas got himself sent off, um, and that was it. Uh, and this team already... Can't really score. They're struggling to defend correctly. At least they didn't give up a set piece goal um, yeah. in this one. Um, that's a concern for next week. Um, but if they can't really defend and they can't really attack, and their midfield, their midfield's actually been okay despite the intense scrutiny uh, that Nick DeLeon in particular has been under. I, the midfield has actually been the best part of this team. They, they, yeah. they, they can't exactly, finish and they can't defend. They did exactly um, what I hoped. They are they would bad. Do they are bad inside the boxes, which is a terrible phrase to have to bring up because in 2013, this team was bad inside the 18 yard boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are right now bad inside the boxes um, or in the defending, in the case of the defense, just outside. Um, but if they lose their mentality as well, then the wheels are going to fall off completely. Um, they cannot, they cannot be the kind of team that gives up a goal and just drops, even if it's a bad goal to give up and, it's a deflating goal when you've started the game fairly well. Otherwise you have to bounce back. And there was no bounce back um, when Dallas took the lead. And that more than, I think that's why Dallas ended up uh, being a little more positive from there because I think they got a good sense of the fact that they had a team that was not, was basically just drifting into halftime um, after the first goal. And I think they, they didn't necessarily high press or anything like that, but they were looking for it. Cause I think that as a group, uh, they believed that a mistake was coming and it came. Um and maybe even maybe even worse than the first goal. Um uh one of those where you could see the trouble coming like ten seconds before yep. the ball was actually the back of the net. Or um,
0: <laughs> basically when as soon as Boswell hit it, hit that long ball, you know, you, right. something fell off with it. Like you're putting Taylor Kemp into an aerial duel with a guy he's never gonna beat. Right. And then also, all of a sudden, Ozil's out of position. Kemp's out of position. Yes. Um, when you're trying Rolf to feed, was up the field. it was
2: yeah. When you when you want to feed a uh, overlapping fullback, and this is a, a tip for anyone that's playing, don't play the ball up for a header. You want to play this on the ground so they can run onto it. And if that if the ball on the ground isn't there, then that option isn't there. That, yeah. that player is not someone you can pass to right now. Um, at least it, you you can pass to feet but you cannot pass to them to run on because they should not be having to win a header. Um,
0: Since we're, since we're swearing this week, there's a story from practice uh, early in the year. I think maybe even in preseason mm -hmm. um, where they're playing a, a, I I don't know if it's 11 full-sided inter-squad scrimmage or, or what, but Burnbaum and Boswell are in the back and, and Boswell sees a long pass down the field and, and just hoofs it. And it, doesn't go anywhere near anybody and Birnbaum apparently yelled Bobby fuck not um, enough that people on the sidelines could hear yeah. Um and, and, and that is what that moment was that was Bobby fuck and it ended really, really badly
2: yeah and um, it's a weird situation because United has gotten away from as playing anywhere near as many long balls but you still have one player on the field making that decision too often um, the rest of and, the team has sort of figured out not to do that as much, as much. I mean, Kemp, right. uh, will default to, uh, looking over the top, uh, a little too quickly for my liking, but, uh, he's nowhere near as fast to default to that as Boswell is. Um,
1: I mean, that's, and that's, that's my, th- I, that's my theory of if Halsty is still on this team uh, in,
2: uh, given how halsty has looked playing central defense, uh, pass. <laughs> Hard pass, I
1: mean,
2: it, it. So, but that brings me to the next question though,
0: should Boswell be a starter on this team when Armbau uh, gets back?
2: I have bad news for everyone. Kofi Opare didn't do anything in this game to make me think that it's going that he could just step in and improve the uh the situation um yeah no. he didn't look good, uh, and it wasn't no, because Boswell played badly next to him, he made individual mistakes that he shouldn't be making um and Including on the first goal right uh and He's also not really he and he and Burnbomb both play a little similarly at this point. Um, I was hoping when Oparia came here that he would sort of drift towards an organizer's role rather than towards a, the more uh, athletic defender role that Burnbomb plays in this setup. But he's drifted more towards being a Burnbomb backup, you know, a slightly lesser version of Burnbaum, not a slightly lesser version of Boswell. And we don't have anyone that really. Can replicate what Boswell does, um, other than Halsey on paper. But you know, he—I mean, if, if Boswell is slow, then Halsey's reaction times as a defender is—you uh, know—he would, would still be out there uh, reacting to the third goal. I think uh, right now on uh, Monday night, um, Jalen Robinson uh, has shown some a little bit of a mentality towards that, but we've also seen him have trouble doing the individual marking that comes at centre back. That's sort of fundamental. Um, to that, so right now, United is short of a Boswell replacement. on the other hand, at a certain point, you've gotta do something to shake the team up and when the defense plays that poorly, you have to look at the organizers of the defense and with Bill Hamid not on the field with Travis Wara playing uh his what his third ever professional game at the m l s level um mm-hmm. you know it falls on Boswell, so maybe just to shake things up because it's that desperate right now, maybe you have to um play Opari and Burnbaum and lean on Burnbaum as the organizer. Um you know if he if he's already feeling to to touch on the story not just for humorous reasons, but if he already feels um solid enough in his role on the team that he can come at Boswell like that, um, come at the team captain like that and feel like that's not going to be a problem. Then maybe he's in a position to start becoming more of a vocal leader in the back, and maybe he can take that role, and Opare can be uh, the partner, so to speak. Um, but at both ends of the field, there has to be there has to be some kind of change. Um, you can't lose this lifelessly, basically. Because um, and the thing is, they could have lost by more. Um, mm-hmm. Maxi Aruti completely botched or I shouldn't say completely botched, he did hit the post though it, it required Wara to miss a very easy save, but that was a four-on-one break um, and mm-hmm. Dallas ran that thing about as badly as you can without just kicking the ball straight out of bounds um, their runners, the other three runners did not do anything to help Aruti, and Arruti never looked their way anyway um, so yeah, the game could have gone more poorly than it did um, so you know, Acosta comes back in, that's, that one seems, that's like the easiest one. I think, I, I don't think you'll find anyone that's like, no, don't bring Acosta back in. Um, so but, here's here's my question though mm-hmm. on Acosta,
0: is when he came in this week, he was playing out on the left. Mm-hmm. He was playing left midfield, which makes me wonder if there's a formation shift in the works. And we talked about this on the video after the game. It could be a Bob Bradley style empty bucket where De Leon and, whether it's Jeffrey or Buescher or Klaus or whoever comes in next to him. Uh, plays They play a little deeper in the middle, and then you push the, the outside midfielders higher and have them pinch in a little bit. We could see something like that. We could see Acosta drop a little deeper to make an actual five-man midfield. They, I'm curious what we'll see.
2: I think part of the reason that he ended up on the left was Olsen decided, I might as well give the kids some minutes just to um, just to turn this game in and to give this game any kind of benefit at this point. We might as well right. get him on the field. But with United being down a man... Yeah, that's true. Um, they had to play no at that point. Yeah, you either play him on the left or you play him up front and let him fruitlessly chase long balls. So, um, I mean, it is an interesting idea because he can... I think he has it within him to play a bunch of different roles because he has speed and dribbling ability and creativity. He can play in the middle. He could play on the wing. Um, There's, there's a lot that could be done there, but I think United has to find, um, I mean, he's got to play, but I still worry about the center forward channel because as we've talked about, I think almost every episode Mm -hmm. of this season, um, Nagel isn't really a natural forward. A spindle. doesn't take up a center forward's role. Rolf doesn't do it. Sabo Rio has not justified an inc- inclusion though at this point uh as much as I hate to say it I mean no one else is justifying more minutes than Sabo has um and at least he does play the role that United needs right now um but I think all of that should be on the table um it'll be an interesting unfortunately he won't be back from national team duty until Wednesday probably after training so he's probably not he's probably going to get Thursday to make his case essentially for a start uh, next weekend up front because you know some something's gotta give, someone's gotta occupy. They've either gotta talk a spindle into playing as a center forward or sure. um, you know make make do with Nagel. And if you play with Nagel and Acosta, you can actually do something. It's still going to be a very blue-collar offense. You're still going to be mostly relying on pressure, but at least that's something. Um, against Dallas, it looked like a mix of too many different things at once. Um, I think we've got a lot of players that don't match, quite frankly, uh, as a group, um, which is why we have Sarvas playing the most defensive role in midfield. That's not really what he should be doing. Um, it's why Dalyon's in the middle, because we needed somebody that could play central midfield. Um, there's a lot going on structurally with this team that isn't really promising. And I also... I'm kind of worried that Dallas kind of exposed a lot of what was wrong. Um, Oscar Perea kind of l- laid it out in his post-match quote saying, um, you know, praising Marcelo Sarvas and Sean Franklin and Taylor Kemp, and then saying, like, we knew we needed to disconnect the fullbacks from the rest of the team, and we knew we needed to pressure Sarvas when they tried to build so they couldn't have possession. And they did all of those things, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they won 3 nothing with a completely makeshift back four and a backup goalkeeper. On the road at RFK. So, if you're in any other team, in LA, it wasn't like Parejo House trying to sabotage our season, but by putting it out there so bluntly, some of MLS's dumber coaches are now going to be like, "Oh, hey, he's right." Um, and the smarter ones were already like, "Oh, cool, this is this is one more thing we could do." Um, so that's these are these are all huge problems right now. This was a kind of a bellwether loss. Um, it wasn't just discouraging; it actually could have repercussions down the road, not just because we have to play at San Jose without Sarvas next week but further repercussions uh for weeks and weeks uh this is this was bad this is it's as, it's as bad as you thought it was
0: <laughs> and on that note we are going to take a really depressing down note but we'll we'll turn it around after the break when we checking my notes talk about the US national team oh no oh boy. <laughs> Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Well, it's a it's a new season here in D.C. for D.C. United and for us here at Filibuster as we enter season number five of the podcast. Yay, us. Happy birthday, us. Uh, We want to take time to record a new message from our sponsor, the Ehrlich Law Office. They provide discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for those of us living in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. Sorry, Jason. You're out of luck.
2: I, I guess I'm doomed.
0: You, you are doomed. Um, <laughs> th- this message goes to people in Nova and D.C. Your rights matter. You deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. Um,
1: Marylanders deserve none of that.
0: I, I wouldn't go that far, Ben, but well, but well, people in way, no, uh, it, people in Northern Virginia and DC definitely applies to you. I can't speak to whether it applies in Maryland. Uh, if you th- have suffered from workplace discrimination or wage theft uh you're you're dealing with some non-competition or non-solicitation litigation, your civil rights have been violated, uh, or there's been an illegal taking by the government, or you have uh, disability issues, or you have uh a complaint in education law, then the Ehrlich Law Office is who you should talk to. They're good friends of the show. Uh I I know the the lawyers there personally, they are really good at their jobs and they're really good people. Uh, and you should check them out for a free consultation. Go to Ehrlich slash filibuster. Welcome back to filibuster, the black and red United podcast. And I'm just going to rip the bandaid off the United States men's national team lost to Guatemala on Friday for the first time since 1988. Uh, the the loss dropped them to third place in uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying semifinal Group C behind both of Guatemala and Trinidad and Tobago, who lead the group on, I think, seven points. Is that right? Yeah, seven points from three yeah. games. Uh, the United States has four points from three games. Um Basically, Nike's terrible new uniforms are not even the worst thing going for Jurgen Klinsmann's side right now, and that's because Jurgen Klinsmann is probably the worst thing going for Jurgen Klinsmann's side right now. We'll get into that, but first, Jason, what actually happened down in Guatemala?
2: Uh, the team was not prepared to play uh, a game of competitive soccer. Um, they, were up, <laughs> they were lined up. They uh, were lined up in some strange. I mean. There's been a big thing today uh, on the the World of Soccer Twitter about Klinsman saying he didn't play anyone out of position. And technically, pedantically, he is correct. All of those guys have played those positions before. Um, That's that's not what out
1: of position means, though.
2: Right. Uh, And it's also a lot of times they've played those positions for him and him only. Um, The people that see these players on a day-to-day basis don't do this to them. Um, And for good reason, because they are educated soccer managers and have figured out what to do with players. Um, So there were a lot of players out of position. um, And the U.S. just did not it wasn't just that. They still should have won the game with that mess of a lineup. Um, They also weren't ready for Guatemala. They weren't prepared for Guatemala to come out with any sort of interest in attacking. Um, And they didn't really wake up to it either. Um it wasn't that Guatemala was like high pressing and, and sending numbers forward. They didn't have to. They were just playing, you know, play over the top and wait for Michael Orozco to get completely like I hope people saw the whole replay of the second goal, the Carlos Ruiz goal, um, where Ruiz stood offside and waited for Orozco to abandon a successful offside trap and come mark him, and then the ball was struck and then Ruiz was off and running while Orozco was like, I don't know what to do. I'm not familiar with the the concept of defending in the sport of soccer. I think
1: I
0: mean it. in well, his defense, that, that's the, he was offside is kick. really complicated.
2: Well,
1: and he wasn't offside anyway because it was a goal kick. That
2: doesn't matter. Uh, the fact the the thing that matters well, is that you know, the U.S. had pulled up and Ruiz waited for Orozco to abandon it. Essentially, Ruiz was just sort of wandering towards being onside. Uh, there was an attempted flick on that came at midfield. Um, Orozco. Inexplicably, abandoned a, a successful plan and went yeah, to go on would've him would've put and then also, no, and then no, also, not
1: a, US, not, not a U.S. flick on it wouldn't have,
2: and then did not even successfully mark him. Yes, um, that, so that, is, all of that main, is irrelevant. That is the main um, problem. he got he Ruiz used the uh, some uh, some. I don't know, some Sith magic on, on Orozco and fooled him into moving completely out of position. But then, on the other hand, you don't even need to use magic on Michael Orozco to get him to make a defensive mistake because he's not a good enough player for the international level yes. uh, in soccer. I I mean, he doesn't play at his club team. Uh, we've seen him before struggle to figure out MLS a few years ago. He hasn't really improved all that much in that time. Um, and he, there he is playing center back. uh in a in a way qualifier against the toughest team, with all due respect to Trinidad, the most difficult team for the U.S. to play in this group is Guatemala. And there's, there he is trying to outwit Carlos Ruiz, who for all his uh, terribleness has repeatedly proven to be able to score goals on the U.S. national team, no matter how well-managed and how intelligently put together they are, the guy scores. I, I've already told people today, that he is going to score in Columbus. Like, you should prepare yourself for that. He is, like, a bet money on it. He's, Carlos Ruiz is going to score. If the U.S. doesn't score twice, they aren't going to beat Guatemala because Ruiz will score, and it'll probably be a similar goal. Um, and you'll laugh because you're like, well, Ruiz is behind, but he's too slow. And yet somehow no one will catch him. he uh, will <laughs> uh, find, like, the last reserve of being able to sprint at a moderate speed that he possibly he score, can, have.
0: and then he will perish on the field. He will, he might. With he, his he dying he breath, score. he will score yeah. against the United States. Um, no, well, no. And Rafa Marquez will shake his fist in anger that he didn't get to do that. <laughs> I, I do, I, I do want to go back to something you yeah. said earlier. You compared uh, Ruiz to a Sith Lord doing some kind of dark force magic, and that makes sense if because Chris Wondolowski has said that his. Superpowers, essentially Jedi mind trick, making people forget about him on the field, and that's yeah. how he's made his career. Carlos Ruiz is just the dark side of right. Chris Wondolowski. Just more
1: diving. So wait, um, d- d- does that make shots and feigning injury? Does that make Jurgen Jar Jar Banks?
2: I don't know. Uh, I didn't actually like any of the latter Star nobody, Wars movies, even did. for like nobody even did. for like half a second. No, there were people that were defending parts of those movies. I thought they were all thoroughly terrible. Those, those uh, people are trash people. And I wish that I had not spent a single dime on it. Like it's a thing I have to live with every day that I gave money towards those movies. Anyway,
0: um, I didn't. So yeah. anyway, yeah, let's talk. Let's, let's go to Jurgen Klinsman Now, Jason, you mentioned yeah. earlier that, that he said he doesn't play guys out of position. Ben, is this because he, he thinks he's on and knows what the player's actual position is, or is he just straight trolling at this point or just out of his damn mind?
1: I think he actually believes what he's saying, and that makes it even worse. I think he actually believes that uh, DeAndre Yedlin can be a midfielder, which is a ludicrous idea, because he can't be. Um, and I think he actually believes that Nick Diskarud can be a defensive midfielder, which is also a ludicrous idea, because he can't be.
0: And that Michael Bradley can be a number ten.
1: Yeah, yeah. All of these are. That's less ludicrous than the two I just mentioned, but it, but it's still ludicrous. Um, but I, I really think he actually believes these things, which makes it even worse and more terrible that that he actually believes them. But it. it it's just ridiculous that he can he can think these things because they're obviously not true and it it flies against all facets of logic that he could believe them because DeAndre Yedlin is not good enough to be a midfielder. He
0: he. Well, it's not that he's not good enough. He's it's just not his position. That's not the way not, he works. He wants well, to stay wide. He wants to. He, he doesn't play the same passes or make the same runs that a midfielder makes he makes fullback runs and fullback passes right. he's not good he's enough to be
1: a midfielder he's a fullback and he can play fullback he plays fullback for a premier league team a very bad premier league oh. team but a premier league team nonetheless uh, and I think hey,
0: that's the united partner club Sunderland you're talking about to, to, no, I had to feign something there I apologize
1: yeah, yeah. but I mean if if you played him at fullback, you could build a system around that that made sense. But him at midfield, you can't build a system that really makes sense.
0: Well, not that Bergen has shown any predilection toward building a system that makes sense on any level. Well,
1: obviously, but I'm trying to... I'm, even while I'm trashing him, I'm still trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. No, at this point, at but this no, point you off. can't he's give off. him the benefit no. of the doubt. I, no, I'm tr- he
0: he lost it a long time ago.
1: Oh no, I know, I know. I'm I'm firmly in an anti Jurgen camp, but I'm just trying to figure out his brain. It,
2: that here's the, yeah, the, the problem with Yevon playing on the wing is pretty simple. Uh, he doesn't have in a in a four four two especially. He does not have the first touch or the vision, the field vision to be effective. Um, as an overlapping fullback, his options are much simpler, and so he's going to use. Uh, his gifts uh, and play very simply. It's going to be play him in a space. Maybe he has to play one one two to get in get into the space, and then he's going to whip in a cross or drive into the box and looking looking for a foul or a cutback. Um, the number of options he has to deal with over and over again are low because he only has to make that choice five six times a game. Um, when you're playing right midfield in that formation, you've got to make those all of those choices and many more, many 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 times. And uh, he he is a very his the world the Yedlin's world on the field is still very narrow. Uh he doesn't have a wide understanding of of what's going on. If you give him a simple jobs, he's going to do them. Um but he's not there yet. He and he's not I know Klinsman has repeatedly played him in the midfield. Um that's actually he might have more experience playing right midfield on the national team than any of these other guys that were played at a position do in <laughs> the spot they were playing in. Um but he's not suited to it. Um nope. unless unless you play a third central midfielder and then his job is to give the team width by just staying out on the touchline and and being kind of a blunt instrument as long as the other four midfielders and the and the striker are all um of the right mindset that width actually could be really useful but you can't play 442 with him out on the wing like that it's just it's not going to work it's never going to work what? Um, and
1: he's also not good enough to build your team around like that
2: no, but I mean, was any was that lineup built around anyone at no, all? No,
1: no, that, that, know, that that, no, that one. that one wasn't. But the one you yeah. suggested, like to maximize no, his, you're, strengths. Not building,
2: you're not building around Yedlin. You're using Yedlin to help everyone else uh, do better, like just by making teams defend uh, a speedster out wide you're making them account for that so much. They have to worry about it so much that everyone else benefits, even if that player doesn't really impact anything. Yeah, um, It's sort of like how the, to bring up the impact, since I just said the word, um, when Montreal plays Dom Oduro on the wing, um, there are plenty of games where they don't really use him. They just, the threat of Oduro, the the mutually assured Oduro um, out <laughs> on the wing is enough to get what they want for Piotti and ship and everyone else. Um, I mean, we could do two whole shows on how badly this team was put together for this game. I oh, mean,
1: yeah.
2: Nick's Discrude Discrude yeah. honestly, yeah. is like the last player in the U.S. pool that I would put on the field at Guatemala. Uh, I wrote about this Guatemala, oh. and I, I referred to it as a, a a knife fight in which no one has any dignity or respect for humanity whatsoever. Um, he is the last player. So you're player. saying it would not be
0: accompanied by Careless Whisper
2: no uh murderous screams uh, and one person walking away in deep shame at what they've done but at least they succeeded in their goals um this is this is a game for mean-spirited uh bastards basically um, we all, because we, that's all,
1: what, we all hate Jermaine Jones but this would have been a perfect game for him
2: most likely unless he got himself sent off um you, you you have to have a certain amount of calculation in there and I'm not sure that he has that all the time um but no it Okay, you're basically describing
0: over. the movie Battle Royale in soccer form,
2: yes, but but uglier and meaner, <laughs> which is <laughs> um, saying something. Uh, th- I there are a few things on earth more ugly than having to play a CONCACAF World Cup qualifier at Guatemala, and we were not prepared for it. Um, and you know, Bobby, Bobby Wood and Clint Dempsey, I actually like that as a forward pairing, sure. Um, but they weren't given any real platform to succeed. I mean, yes, they did still get chances once Nagby came in. uh, But then, you know, that kind of brings us to something else. Klinsman did wrong, which was he corrected his bad lineup and then he dismantled the correction and and made it much more predictable. Um, When Nagby came in, the U S had their best stint of the game with, with Bradley sitting underneath and Nagby uh, connecting everyone else. And it actually looked like a coherent team. And then he started pulling defenders and when it when the lineup became a 352 with, with where wherein the object apparently was to feed the ball to Giasi Zardes for crosses <laughs> over and over again <laughs> that is a terrible plan he can't cross um he probably shouldn't be playing on the wing in most cases unless you're playing him inverted and then he's going to get in goal scoring op- uh chances he's not a very good crosser um Switching away from the four one three two that actually had started to work means that he didn't even know, or his be- he and his bench didn't even know what was going right. Yeah, uh, because they they stumbled into a good solution and then they stumbled away from it just as quickly. Um, which, which is, is terrible. the story of
0: Klinsmann's tenure is even when he finds something that works really well, he ditches it at the first opportunity.
2: Um, and you, you know. You can say it wasn't – I mean, Fabian Johnson is probably the best player in in the U.S. pool. Yes, he was Mm -hmm. unavailable. Um, But do you think that Guatemala's head coach wouldn't have have traded rosters uh, a week before the game? Uh, He would have done so, and he probably would have had a a six-day party um, to celebrate his good fortune. And come out and
0: still beat the roster that beat us.
2: Right, and there isn't isn't a player on Guatemala that could make that that squad – they have zero players no. that could have made the U.S. squad. Marco Papa would have been the closest, and he wouldn't have made it. Um, and here we are, not just losing 2 nothing, but really deservedly losing 2 um, you know, Credit to their goalkeeper, he did make some big saves, but also most of the finishes were straight at him. Um, his, the only two saves I really, really thought he did well on were the stops on Bedoya because he had to come out and close an angle really well. Um, the save itself wasn't the hard part there. He, he had to be smart and alert and get, get to a spot early. Um, but other than that, we didn't really, I, honestly, like, and Stephen Stephen Streff from our site, he and I watched the game at the American Outlaws uh, gathering and he can confirm that I wasn't even like angry during the game. I was more like bemused and kind of ruefully laughing at a lot of what I saw because, <sighs> This is where we are as a national team program. We're so mismanaged that these are the things that are just going to happen.
0: And it's gotten to the point that I won't even ask what the United States should or will do Tuesday night in Columbus, because whatever we say, it's basically guaranteed that Jürgen Klinsmann will not do that. They should win. And at this point, I'm not confident that they will win. I think a draw is the most likely result.
2: I think they're going to win. It'll just be like the most dispiriting 2-1 win possible. And I say 2-1 because Carlos Ruiz has to score. Remember. He's <laughs> I really think, score.
0: I really think it will be a 1-1 draw and uh, Klinsman will not be fired immediately afterward. He might be fired shortly after, but if, if the United States doesn't win, he should be fired before he gets to the locker room.
1: He won't be fired until they are mathematically eliminated from World Cup qualifying.
0: At which point it's too late and we should just oh, yeah. burn it all down. Burn it all down. Well, that's the second straight segment ended on a down note. So, let's turn back to DC United. Yay! <laughs> I was informed at here. some
2: point that soccer was pleasant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whoever told you soccer is a is a fun game that leads to happiness and joy lied to you.
1: The Richmond Kickers um, won 3 to 1 this weekend.
0: Yay, and the Spirit won their preseason yeah, the game against
1: the
2: Spirit are unbeaten State. in preseason or yeah. unbeaten and untied, so Perfect some, in preseason. Some teams that our site pay att- pays attention to are doing well, and maybe we're gonna focus on them more. <laughs> just so yeah. We can yeah. Life. yeah. Um
0: but rather than talking about DC United, we're just going to sit here in silence for fifteen minutes. Okay, I lied. We are going to preview DC United's visit to San Jose. I was okay. Hashtag DCU.
1: I was okay with the 15 minutes of silence.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you were, Ben. The thing is, you produced the show. We could have sat here for two seconds of silence and you could have ben, inserted You could also 15 just minutes. drop
2: this segment and, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, everything I say after that, you can just cut and make it 15 minutes of silence. That is your okay. prerogative as the show's producer. I will. Anyway, hashtag DCU After Dark is back as DC United travel to San Jose Saturday night, ten thirty kickoff at Avaya Stadium in San Jose. That one will be on News Channel Eight and MLS Live. If you are not in the immediate DC
1: and regional area. affiliates,
0: and it'll be on regional affiliates. That's right. Uh, the Quakes have six points through three games this season. Home wins against Colorado and the MLS Cup defending champion Portland Timbers and a road loss at Los Angeles. Um, I I haven't seen enough of them to really know what the difference between those two wins and that one loss was other than LA being LA uh, as they were against DC United in the second half of the season opener. Uh, but I will say, Ben, I, I'll ask you, how much do you wish Quincy Americo was on DC United's roster right now?
1: I mean... Yeah, I wish any attacking player was on D.C. United's roster right now.
0: (laughs) A a center forward who occupies center backs and can hold the ball up and has a little passing new to his game. As
1: I said in the previous segment, that is my number one priority for D.C. United.
0: All right, so your job this week is to go to San Jose and, I don't know, hypnotize Ameriqua into thinking he plays for D.C. United.
1: I mean... My dear wife is a psychologist, so maybe I can uh, help her ch- uh, channel her powers into convincing center forwards to come to DC United.
0: Okay, I like it. Right. Start with Ameriquad. Well,
1: no, I'm going to just for convenience. I'm going to start with Zlatan.
0: Okay, Zlatan is a, is an appropriate choice. Although usually you want to build up to someone like Zlatan. We, we don't have time. That's that's true jason uh san jose is a 442 team like united is does I, i'm grasping here does not having an extra a, a, an extra man in to defend in midfield help united's cause in this one
2: in a way uh it does because their preferred midfield has been anibal godoy and fataya Lasha, who are both holding midfielders um as a duo, they play more like Harry Kitchen and Davey Arnaud did um, than Sarvas and Deleon do um, or did technically with Sarvas because he will not be doing so this ah. weekend. Um, have and will in the future, we assume. Um, so there's not that much to worry about down the middle. This is a team that gets the ball wide and likes to cross. Um, their wingers are wide players. uh simon dawkins was on the left last week but he got a red card or in their last game i should say he got a red card uh for a crazy violent tackle so he won't be around but that just means that someone like shea salinas is probably going to get a start um and he is a guy who stays wide and hits crosses he's actually very good at hitting crosses he didn't used to be uh it turns out that if you just relentlessly practice something you'll get better at it um nick DeLeon, finishing drills go right um,
1: it's like hoosiers
0: or or us podcasting <laughs> um i mean that's kind of what we've been doing we've just been subjecting people to our practice now let's for do it day. for
1: 175
2: episodes now mm-hmm. we'll do we'll do three a days like the national team um but no they they've also upgraded on the right they brought in um alberto quintero who's also like godoy a member of the panamanian national team um very good on the dribble. Uh, all, but also likes to stay wide. He's not really coming inside. He's not really a goal scorer. Um, I think he was actually linked with DC at one point uh, briefly, and his goal scoring record is basically like one goal every two seasons. He's not a scoring guy, but he does give them a creative threat that they didn't have. They didn't really have dribblers. Last season, They on the right, they had speedsters. They had uh, Cordell Cato and uh, 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 Sana Nayasi. Um Cato and Niasse are still there, but Quintero has taken over at right midfielder because he's just a, a he's a better player. Um, he's not as fast, but he's much better with the ball. Um, they're going to be very well drilled defensively, which is a concern because United already can't score goals against a backup a team of backups uh, playing defense. Um, San Jose's bread and butter is is keeping clean sheets. Uh, they are for all people talk about Benny Ball. San Jose is what people are actually imagining a lot of times when they think about it. They are very organized. They are committed to defending and getting ugly if they have to. They don't really care at all about the aesthetics. They just want to win the game. And for them, they probably realize uh, that – and they did it to Portland. So if they can do it to Portland, they can do it to us that one, nothing still means three points in the standings. And if it's a, uh, some sort of trash goal that they score off of, of, you know, the back of somebody's head or, um, blocking a clearance, uh, as, uh, New York did against Houston, uh, in an incredibly stupid game that four, three was absurd. If you have MLS live, you should watch it and, and just like laugh at the whole thing. Cause both of those teams look like a bunch of idiots and somehow one of them gets three points at the end. Um, yeah,
0: especially in the second half that game was,
2: yeah something else. Um, but, uh, the Quakes are going to be difficult to play against because they're very direct. Um, they make you defend a lot. They don't make you defend complicated situations, but you have to get fairly simple stuff right over and over and over again. And we just saw United botch some pretty simple stuff. Um, they're going to, you know, Ameriqua will hassle everybody he comes near. He's a constant pain. Um, he's not, he, he, despite the goal he scored against Portland, which was absurd, he's never going to beat you Uh, or I shouldn't say never, but 99% of the time. He's not going to beat you with skill. It's going to be effort. Um, He will hit the ground easily, and yet he's also incredibly hard to knock off the ball. When he wants to stand up, it's almost impossible to get him to go down. When he wants to hit the deck, he's really good at making it look like you fouled him. Um, Wando is still there. Wando is Wando. He is going to hunt the ball down. If you give him a chance to score, he's probably going to score. Um, unless you are Belgium, in which case, you know, you get an exception somehow. Uh, Maybe this is the the Cosmos thanking them for waffles. Um, But uh, the Quakes are what they've been for years. Um, They're just a better version this year than they were last year, where last year they weren't quite as sharp defensively in the midfield, and they weren't really much of an offensive threat until the very end of the season. So this year they just went out and found some better attacking players that they're – adaptable to the system they all have are always going to play which is the same thing Kinnear used in Houston to win a couple MLS cups so um it's going to be very difficult it's hard to go cross-country to beat anyone um much less a team as organized as the Quakes are going to be
0: how does DC United go across the well, country and try to um, beat the Quakes uh, half, half in half a stadium not. which is not an easy place to play
2: um well, one thing they need to prepare for is the fact that the field at Avaya Stadium is like a bog somehow. Um, even though it's a new stadium, the, the playing surface is kind of terrible. Um, El Nino. It might be El Nino. It might just be poor uh, management of the grass. I don't know. Uh, I, I think just it's a know
0: combination I, of the two. I, it it I has it looked a like San Jose climate, right? Which is very, you know, kind of Mediterranean, and instead it's been monsoons all winter or at least in all through January and all all of this year uh, because it's an El Nino pattern this year. And next year, it'll be gorgeous to play on, but this year, it's a I swap. Um,
2: but in any case, uh, United has to be clever going forward. Uh, they're not going to get an easy goal, most likely. Um, San Jose's defense, even playing the last two games, they've had uh, Kip Colby, a rookie at left back because... Uh, Jordan Stewart is still rehabbing a torn Achilles. Uh, Sean Francis has, I'm not sure. I don't think they've even mentioned his injury. They've just said he's been questionable or something along those lines. Um, so he hasn't been available. So it's been Colby and that's it. Um, Clarence Goodson wa missed their last game. Uh, but they brought in, uh, Andreas Imperiale who they signed from Saprisa. Uh, so, you know, he's not just some guy, um, and it didn't look like, I mean, yes, the, the Galaxy did score three on them, but it was af- all those goals came after the red card. Um, when it was 11-on-11, 11 11, it was 0-0 going into halftime. Um, so United's got to be clever on the in the attack. They've got to uh, move the center backs around, uh, whether it's Imperiale or Goodson alongside Victor Bernardes. They've got to get those guys chasing. Um, Bernardes, for all his qualities, can occasionally do something that is just bafflingly ridiculous uh and absurd and get himself sent off or just take up a position that doesn't make any sense because he he has that strain of lunatic that weirdly enough a lot of mls center backs tend to have um even some of the best ones like laurent simon have that strain of like i'm gonna go crazy right now and you're never gonna understand why because it will never make any sense um you know getting those guys to commit to things they shouldn't would be would be good um On attacking on the left with Marvell Wynn, don't look to get in behind him and then try and get it across. If you get in behind him, you've got to immediately get the ball off your foot because he's so fast that he's going to catch up. He's going to recover and get in the way. So it's got to be a sort of thing where you're looking to the left wing to get him out of the way and then pass back to the area he vacated trying to chase the ball because you can fool him. You're not going to beat him in a race, but you can fool Marvell Wynn. Um, On the other side, I think United we'll want to get more Patrick Nearco running at Colby or Francis if, if he is back from injury. Um, I think that's a, a decent way to th- to get going because San Jose does like to fly into some tackles and we've seen Neyarko already win multiple penalties. He should have won uh one la- uh, last, what was it? Saturday. Um, so that's a, that's a good Avenue um, attacking up the gut. Isn't really a good idea, but then United isn't really very good at doing that anyway. So, uh we might see a, a kind of an old old school kind of game where both teams are attacking predominantly down the wing um defensively they've got to not just win the initial header but they've got to be first to the, the second ball um Ameriqua and Wando aren't necessarily great in the air to win the first ball but they're excellent at going out and picking up the the loose ball that falls down they make sure that you can't win the ball cleanly Um, is the thing. So you go up for a header and you think you've got it, and they do just enough to throw you off in midair so that instead of heading to a teammate or towards a teammate, you're just sort of heading it in a loose space and creating a a 50-50 ball. And San Jose loves to fight for 50-50 balls, so this game is probably going to be ugly. Uh, It's going to be a real test of character and grit and all that stuff that no one enjoys talking about anymore, but is still, especially for United, a, a thing that they need to have. They can't they can't step on the field against anyone at this point without those things in place. Um, the other thing that worries me is whether they're going to play Matias Perez-Garcia um, or not. They might have seen United struggling uh, defensively. They might take the risk at playing him over Alache, who I assume is going to play for the U23s again tomorrow. Um, if they do that, then they've got a playmaker, uh, a natural 10 on the field. Um, and that's a signal that they're going. They're going out to just attack us relentlessly. They'll they'll change a little bit to uh, c- carry him. Um, they could also, if they play Godoy and Alache, he could show up on the right um, with uh, Quintero going to the left. Um, in that case, Quintero will stay wide still, but G- Garcia is going to dip inside and uh, offer a different sort of challenge. It's sort of an odd situation there because Kinnear doesn't really want a number ten, but he keeps like bringing them in. Um, it, it's a confusing look because they keep having them. I mean, Dawkins has played the number 10 role um, over Perez Garcia. So they've got multiple guys that they think can play as a central uh, attacking midfielder, and yet they are at their best playing flat four four two without that role existing. Um, but uh, ultimately, I think it's, it's really going to be a test of whether United's defense can hold up because they're not go- – I, I think we're talking about a game that finishes – if United wins, it's going to be one nothing. This isn't a game where they're going to be able – they're not going to draw San Jose into a shootout. And in any case, I don't think United has any business getting into shootouts with anyone right now because uh, their shooting has been very poor. You shouldn't get in a shootout if you can't shoot. Pro tips from Jason Anderson.
0: Ben, anything you want to add before we get out of here tonight?
1: Screw San Jose.
0: That's all. <laughs> Ben is in a really good mood, you guys. Trash
1: people, trash team.
0: And we were in a, you know, a good place, but Ben ensured that we made it three for three on ending segments. We were on down mode. Were we? We were. We were in a fine place. We were talking about, you know, the tactics and if United could get a win, this is how it's gonna be. And now we're just talking about trash. So thank you, Ben. Trash. Thank you all for listening. Uh, to this trash podcast, uh, find us at black and Find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU at black and red u plus all our personal accounts. Send your trash mail to filibuster podcast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Mostly though. Tell a friend about us when you are at the bar, uh, watching DC United late into Saturday night. Uh, We will talk to you real soon. Uh, I'm going to be out next week, so we will have a stand-in on the show. We'll we'll figure out who that is sometime in the next seven days. Um, So I'll talk to you you in two weeks. Jason and Ben will be here next week to talk to you. Uh, For both of them, I'm Adam. They are who they are. We'll talk to you soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: Goodbye, Trash.